Well, if you got your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. Uh, and, but I want to start off about a, telling you about a time that I had to make a decision. Okay, I had to make a decision, and it involved my oldest son, Zachary, right, who is in sixth grade, is in this room. What's up, Z? He's somewhere in here, right? Uh, but this was a long time ago, and he and his brother were about four or five, right? And so our, my youngest son, Daniel, you all might remember, he's on the autism spectrum. So we had some therapy appointments that he had to go to. So Miss Christie had taken Daniel to those uh, that appointment, and Zachary, being the lucky guy that he was, he got to tag along all the time, right? And so they were at this appointment. It was just the three of them. I was just kicking it here at the office, and something happens. And Daniel, one of Daniel's things is sometimes his behavior leaves something to be desired, right? Now, that's a parent speak for he did some bad stuff, Okay, he was disobedient. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so later on, Miss Christie called me. She's like, Michael, this is what happened. Blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what I heard? I heard that Zachary did it all. I heard that Zachary was the culprit, that he had disobeyed his mom, and that he should be getting in a lot of trouble, right? And so this was on a Wednesday, and so he always would come and spend time with me before church, and we were up in the next-gen offices, and the Stevenson boys, you know, uh, Jay Stevenson up here, our next-gen pastor, his sons had uh, some Zaxby's, and they were like, hey, Zachary, you want some Zaxby's? But you know what? I wasn't happy with my oldest son at that point. And I was like, no way he's getting some Zaxby's when he disobeyed his mom. Right? So I looked at him and said, no, son, you don't get any Zaxby's. And he was like, I'm innocent. It was my brother. It's not me. Have you all ever said that before? Yeah, that's what I thought. Right? And I was like, no, it wasn't you. I mean, excuse me. No, it wasn't your brother. It was you. No Zaxby's for you, kid. Right? And then I kicked him off to church. Right? Go to church. And, uh, and so later on, we get home. And I get home and I see Miss Christie. And I'm like, hey, Zachary didn't get any Zaxby's because blah, blah, blah. Right? She was like, oh, honey, that was Daniel. I was like, oh, no. Right? Oh. I've messed up. And so as a parent, right there, I had a choice to make. I had a choice to make. Do I admit to my son, hey, I made the wrong choice and apologize to my child? Which I'll go ahead and tell you, parents don't like to do, right? They don't. Or do I just keep going and be like, oh, whatever, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine, right? So I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. Now, let's, let's take a vote real quick. How many of y'all think I just said, well, that kid just needs to suck it up. Sometimes bad things happen, and he just needs to deal with it. Okay, how many of y'all think I made that choice? Okay, all right. I see you, Mr. Donnie, back there. Yeah. How many of y'all think I apologize to my son? Okay, well, I take a little bit of hope that y'all they all have that high view of my character. Wouldn't it be great if I said I just didn't apologize? Wouldn't that be great? But I did, right? I did apologize, and I said, Zachary, I am so sorry. This is all my fault. I thought one thing. I was wrong. 
here's some chocolate, right? And so then I like, you know, bought his forgiveness with a little bit of chocolate, right? And so, yeah, so I had this choice. Do I admit, did I admit that I was wrong or did I hold on to what I had done, right? And so tonight we're going to look at somebody else that had to make a choice. And his name was Ahab. And this guy, and this is an interesting guy, right? So we're going to find out who he was. So I want you to look in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 29 and 30. Let's check this out. Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. So here we see, we got Ahab. He was a lot more important than me, right? He was, he was powerful, he was important, but he was evil, right? You know, he had two things going for him, but then he was evil as well. And so he, instead of worshiping God, instead of worshiping God of Israel, he worshiped this, this idol named Baal, okay? Now, how many of y'all have worshiped an idol anytime recently? Anybody? I, I don't think so, right? Because back then, people would worship little statues. They would make a statue out of wood or metal or something like that. Then they would put it in front of them, and then they would worship it. Now, let's all ask ourselves, does that make sense? No, it does not make sense, but that's what they did, right? And the idol of Baal looked like, an, uh, like a bull, and it also went by the name of the Lord of Rain and Dew, okay? So he was kind of like over the rain and bringing rain for the crops and all of that. And so that's who, that's who Ahab worshipped. Now, God got tired of this. He got tired of this, and guess what? As a consequence, he brought a drought into Israel for a long time. Now, Ahab, not only was he important, not only was he powerful, not only was he evil, he was stubborn. Where, where are my stubborn people in here? Okay, there we go, right? Well, you understand, right? Because here he's worshiping this idol that's supposedly supposed to bring rain, but yet... He will not repent during this drought, and guess how long this drought lasts? Three years. Now, I realize y'all are all pretty stubborn, but usually by like day two, and your parents have not folded, you're like, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do, right? Well, not Ahab. Ahab was all in, and he would not repent, and would not follow God, and so this drought lasted for three years. But check this out. But God still wanted to offer grace. He still wanted to offer grace to King Ahab, and so he's about to give him another chance to repent. He's going to give him another chance to repent because God is a God of love, and he wants to have him repent. So God sends Ahab's arch nemesis the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah, and he sends him to confront him, and he sets up this grand contest, right? And so Ahab hated Elijah. 
absolute hated him because he always pointed out when he was doing the wrong thing, right? Every time Ahab did something wrong, Ahab would point it out on God's behalf. And so, but Elijah goes to him and says, hey, gather the nation, gather the nation. We are about to have the ultimate religion championship, okay? Because it's going to come down between the God of Israel and this God of Baal. Who are you going to follow? So let's see what goes on, all right? So skip over to verse Kings 18, 22 through 24. 22 through 24. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Now, here we see that in this contest, the rules are pretty simple. The rules are simple. we got two teams. One team has 450 people. The other team has one. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was to look at that contest and be like, okay, 450, they got all the resources, they got all the money, they got all the lights, they got all the music. This guy over here, he's all by himself. He's got nothing. I'm going with this team because they got it all right here. But wasn't up to me, thankfully, right? And so they had their rules. They were to both make an altar. They were to both take a sacrifice and place it on the altar because back then that was how you would worship You would place a sacrifice on the altar, set it on fire, and that would be a way that you would worship your God. But they would not set it on fire. They would wait for their God to set it on fire himself. So, simple rules, right? Now, Elijah wins the coin toss for this contest, and he defers to the second half, so he lets the prophets of Baal go first. That's very kind of him, isn't it? It's almost like he knows something. And so he's like, hey, you guys go first. I'm just going to sit back. I'll do my thing. If something happens, man, okay, whatever. But I'm going to let y'all go first. So these 450 prophets begin calling to a little wooden idol. Okay, let's keep that in mind. A little wooden idol to send fire to their altar. So they start calling in the morning, Hey, Baal, send your fire. And then they start dancing around. I'm not going to dance for y'all because I'm not very good at dancing, right? And, uh, and so they start calling on him, and they're like, Hey, come, send, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you guess what? It goes on for an hour. It goes on for another hour. And before you know it, it's noontime. It's, it's time to eat lunch. And yet Baal has done nothing. Now, this is really one of my most favorite parts of the story. Because at this point, Elijah's kind of had, you know, he's, he's starting to have a little fun with this, right? And he's like, hey, hey, maybe you just need to scream louder. Maybe Baal went on a trip. 
You know, maybe he went on a little trip. He just hopped in his little chariot and he went somewhere, right? So you need to yell louder. Or, or you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's, he's taking some personal time to himself. And so you just need to yell a little bit louder so he'll get done with his business and come out, right? Now, what is it about when someone's in the bathroom, we always have to talk louder? Does that happen in your house, right? You know, I don't know why that is. It happens in our house, too. Like, someone's in the bathroom, and and we're, like, just talking, blah, 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 and they're like, oh, they're in the bathroom. Hey! You know, why? Why? I don't know. But he starts goading them into screaming louder and keep going, and guess what? They go, all afternoon. They keep going and calling. And then they even start hurting themselves to try and get their their little their their idol to send fire. But finally, as my version says, my version says, there was no sound, no reply, no response. They had done this all day long. Now, I don't know about you, but all they needed was a little spark, right? You know, just this past week, I had the privilege of going to Jack Damaris' birthday party. Jack, where are you? You're, there you are. Now, he did not invite me to his birthday party. He invited my son, and I just got to tag along. Like, dads were there, right? It, it wasn't, he didn't, I didn't get to go because I'm cool. It's because my son is cool. And, uh, and so, but while we were there, one of the things that we did is that we had this, like, flint and steel and so we can make fire because this party was all outside and we're like, yeah, we're men, we're going to make fire, you know. And so we had this flint and steel and we would do these and guess what? Sparks got made over and over and over. Now, I did not make any fires because I'm not the best outdoorsman in the world, but, but we made sparks with just a little bit of flint and a little bit of fire. But these prophets kept calling on a fake God, expecting him to be able to do something, guess what they found? No response, no sound, no reply. So it's the end of the day. And Elijah has watched all of this. They're done. The prophets of Baal have failed tremendously in front of the entire nation of Israel. And so Elijah comes over... And he begins to build his altar. And he grabs 12 large stones and he piles them on top. Now, why did he get 12? Because 12 represented the 12 tribes of Israel, the whole nation. And so he slowly put those together. And then he got his sacrifice and he placed it on top of that altar He even had them get, I believe, 12 jars of water and pour them over the altar. Now remember, they were in the midst of a three-year drought. That water was precious. If nothing happened, there would be a good chance all those people would do something to him for wasting the water. But he took it. He was so confident in his Lord that he took the water that was the most precious thing in that nation and he poured it over that altar time after time after time. 
Because he had confidence that his Lord had the strength and the power to prove himself. And then he prayed. He didn't put on a production. He didn't have any strobe lights. He didn't have any music. He just prayed. And let's look at what he prayed. Chapter 18, verse 36 and 37. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Students, that's all he said. It didn't take anything more than that to communicate with the God of the universe. All it took was him to talk to the Lord. And immediately... God responded with so much fire that the water was consumed, the sacrifice was consumed, and even all of the stones were burned away by the amount of fire that the Lord sent. And all of the people, everyone that was watching, a much larger crowd than this one, all of the people immediately said, the Lord is God and we will worship him because God had proven himself. But in the midst of that, there was one man. There was one man who would not repent. King Ahab. King Ahab sat there and watched the entire, the entire, act, the entire activity all day long. Saw the same thing that everybody else saw saw the prophets of Baal produce nothing, and saw the God of Israel produce immediate fire with just a simple prayer. And yet his heart was so hard that he would not repent and turn back to the Lord. And in fact, the Bible never shows us that he ever fully repented, and he eventually paid with his death. For his disobedience to the Lord. And so students, tonight, you have the chance for the exact same choice that Ahab was faced with. Ahab was faced with whether he will choose to follow the Lord or not. And while this was a long time ago, that choice is still the exact same for you and for me. It doesn't matter if, if you've come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday of your life, or if this is your first time that you've ever come because a friend invited you. The choice is still the same because coming to church does not save you. Being around other people that follow God does not save you. It is only a choice that you can make. So my question is, will you follow God or not? 
Now, I will tell you tonight, God is not going to send down fire at any point tonight, okay? Let's all just be disappointed right now, okay? He's not going to, but he is not going to show his power in that way. But what he will do is show you his power through his word to tell you how much he loves you and how you can have a relationship with him. Because all of us are just like Ahab. I know you don't want to hear that, right? But we all have a choice whether we're going to follow idols in our life or we're going to follow the Lord. Now, none of us, we're all smart enough. We're not going to make some little you know, idol and start worshiping it, right? But we worship idols in different ways, whether it's because we're pursuing popularity, whether it's because we want people to like us, whether it's because we want to find a new identity, whether it's uh, we just want to have this with us all the time. We all have idols that we are tempted to worship. And so we must make the same decision that he did. But here is what I love, students. Here's what I love. God knew, God knew that you had no way to be good enough to earn a relationship with him. He knows you're helpless to be able to reach him. There's nothing you can do about it. He knows that you're a sinner. He knows that you've done the wrong thing. A sin is any thought or action or word that goes against God's instructions. And guess what? It's not dependent upon how you feel. It doesn't depend on, hey, you know what? I know that probably wasn't the best thing to do, but it seemed like the right thing to do right then. That doesn't matter. If it is against what God's word says then it is considered sin, and the result of that is that you are separated for God, from God forever. And he knows that no matter how hard you try, you'll never be able to reach him. If you've lied, cheated, if you've put other people down, if you've looked at inappropriate pictures, if you've gossiped about other people when they're not around, it's all sin. Doesn't matter if it's considered a big sin or a tiny little white lie that got you out of trouble. It separates you from the Lord. But God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to do what you couldn't do. You couldn't live a perfect life, so he came and did it for you. The Bible tells us that he experienced every temptation that we experience, yet never sinned. He never lied. He never cheated. He never looked at his younger brothers and sisters and said, you're annoying me. Bam! You know, he did have brothers and sisters, right? He had siblings. He never did those things. He lived the perfect life. And because he did that, and because he said, you must follow me to get to the Lord, Um, He was killed. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made it very clear. Students in some of your schools, you're going to hear people that say, hey, there are multiple ways to heaven. There are multiple ways to God. It doesn't matter which way you follow. They all get to the top. 
I'll go ahead and tell you, logically that doesn't make sense. And Jesus himself said, no one can come to the Father unless they follow me. So they killed him for that. They put him on a cross and they killed him. And you know what? For everybody else in history, that would be the end of it. But three days later, Jesus defeated sin and death for you. Because he loves you so much that he does not want you to continue to be helpless in your own sin. He wants to know you personally. He wants to hear from you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to know he wants you to know that he wants to help you. And so Jesus defeated sin and death to give you access to the Father. So that you can have a relationship with God, the God who created you. Not just while you're here on earth, but after you die forever. So how does that happen? How does that happen? And I know many of y'all know how this happens. And if you already know how this happens and you have have become a follower of Jesus, this is a great time for you to pray and just ask the Lord to open up the hearts of people who have never made that decision before as I explain it to them. Because the first thing you have to do is admit that you're a sinner. Now, one thing I love about middle schoolers is that you guys know you don't always get it right, right? How many of y'all would say, Mr. Michael, I've done the wrong thing before, right? (laughs) Yes. And you know what? My hand is raised too. I have done the wrong thing before. That makes me a sinner. That makes you a sinner. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glorious standard. And you know what God's glorious standard is? Perfection. Perfection. That is what you have to do to be able to be in God's presence. Because he's holy and perfect. But nobody is. And so first, admitting that you're a sinner. But second of all, it's not enough just to admit that, hey, I've done the wrong thing, right? No, you have to repent of your sin. Peter, in Acts 2.38, he's speaking to a large crowd, and he says, Each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. Now, I know our pastor has shown you this many times, but what it looks like to repent. How many of y'all have ever said that you're sorry, but you didn't really mean it? Oh, yeah, right? You're like, I'm just going to say this to make my parents happy, right? And, it's, and I think it's going to get me out of trouble, right? Well, that's not repenting. That's just saying, hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to be in trouble. This is repenting. This is where you're walking in one direction and you're doing all of those things that you're, we've talked about. You're lying, cheating, you're being mean to people, you're kicking your dog, you know, all those things, right? How funny is it? Okay, Miss Catherine's back there. She's a vet. That was a joke, Miss Catherine. That was a joke. I would never kick a dog, right? And neither should you. Now, okay, that was a poor joke. Y'all, y'all stick with me. That was my fault. That was my fault. Y'all look at me. Look at me. Okay? So you're going in this direction. You're doing all of these things. Well, when you repent, when you repent, 
You say, God, I am sorry that I've done these things. And I no longer want to do them anymore. Right? And you start walking in the other direction saying, I want to follow your ways. I don't want to do these things anymore. I want to obey you. That's what repentance looks like. It's meaning that you're sorry and you want to do better. So you admit that you're a sinner. You repent of your sin. But then you make Jesus your Lord. Now check this out in Romans 10, 9. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, if you haven't spent a lot of time in church, you probably probably don't hear the word Lord very often. That just means that you make Jesus in charge. You put him in charge of your life. It's no longer about what you want to do. It's all about what he wants you to do. It's no longer about going, hey, this is what I think is best, so I'm going to do it. No, it's all about going, okay, what does God say I should do? Now I'm going to do that. And students, when you make that decision, when you admit that you're a sinner, you repent of that sin, and you make Jesus your Lord, in that moment, you go from being eternally forever separated from God to immediately having access to him through his Holy Spirit to know who he is, and he will guide you and be with you every day for the rest of your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember some of my days in middle school and how those days were hard, they were lonely on some days, and they were difficult. knowing that the Lord would be with me and walking with me through those hard years, that would be wonderful. So I've got a question for you tonight. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, who will you worship? Let me speak to those of you who have never made the decision to follow Jesus. Tonight can be the night that you can step from heading in the direction of being eternally separated from God and you can step over to having eternal life with Him in this life and the next. We have counselors in the back that if you want to make that decision, they want to talk with you. Their love They love to be with middle school students. That's why they're here. And they want to spend time with you. They want to ask, they want to answer your questions and help you start a relationship with Jesus. So one, if you've never made that decision before, in just a moment when the band begins to play, I'm just going to ask that you quietly just walk to the back. We've got some amazing counselors back there, and they're just going to sit and talk with you for just a few minutes and walk you through what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Second of all, if you already are a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you might be realizing tonight 
you've been worshiping, spending more time with some idol in your life. That worshiping the Lord and caring for Him and following Him has really not been that big of a deal. That's happened to me before. You might be realizing that you need to repent and actually turn back to the Lord and say, God, I want to worship you and follow you. Lord, will you forgive me? I'm going to encourage you, if that's you, that if you would like to pray with one of our counselors in the back, they would love to pray with you and encourage you to take that step. Not to recommit, because guess what? Recommitting doesn't do you anything. You'll run out of commitment uh, starting tomorrow. But to just talk to the Lord more. Say, God, I want to pray with you more. I want to read your word a little bit more. And when you do that, you will find that the Lord will continue to, uh, to bring in your spirit a desire to love and follow him more. Okay? So those are the two things that if you're, if you're not a follower of Jesus, when we, after I pray and the band begins to, to play, I just want you to go back and talk with one of those counselors and ask them to lead you in how to become a follower of Jesus. Or if you're already a Christian, but you'd like to pray with one of our counselors so that they can encourage you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly again, head back there. They would love to pray with you. We got men counselors for our boys, we got women counselors for our girls, and so they are ready to talk with you, okay? Now, I'm gonna pray for us. And then, after I'm done praying, you stand up and we're gonna worship together. Lord, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for the mix, a place where middle school students can come and have fun, but also hear your truth of life and joy. Lord, I ask that through your spirit, you would draw people to yourself, that if there's a student that has never had a relationship with you, Lord, lay it on their heart that you love them and you care for them and you want them to know you and fill them with the courage to go and talk with a counselor. And Lord, if there is a Christian who needs to come back to you, Lord, show them through your spirit that you are not looking down angrily at them, wondering what is wrong with them, but you are beckoning to, beckoning to them to come to your embrace and that you love them. Lord, may we all make the decision to worship you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen.